My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 27. Hello, folks. This is Lenny Lawson, the Car Guru. And um, I'm being thankful this morning. I'm thankful that I know people at the uh, county court clerk. Yeah, that's what they're called here in Tennessee, where you go get your tags and solve title issues and stuff. And it's just so nice to be able to walk in there and people look up and they say, well, hey, Lenny, haven't seen you in a while. Because that's when I know that I'm going to be able to get my problem solved. And I did today. I was successful. I bought that 1948 Lincoln Continental. And I I noticed there was a problem. As soon as he handed me the title and I handed him the check, I, I started to grab the check back because I knew that the VIN number on the title was not right because I had found the VIN on the car. It's actually on the chassis. It's not on the body. See, back in the old days, uh, Ford or Packard or Duesenberg or Lincoln, those companies made the chassis, which is or the frame rails, you know, the suspension, the engine, the driveline, and all that stuff. Some body company made the body, different company. So this Lincoln had a custom body built on it, and there's a VIN plate up there. That's not the official VIN. The VIN is the one stamped on the frame on the left front top of the frame rail. I had seen that number, and I knew that the number on that title was not it. So I said, well, where's the rest of the paperwork? So Ricky handed me, I was buying a guy from a guy named Ricky, and he handed me the paperwork, and I started going through it, and I say, oh, okay. When it was registered in the state of Tennessee, somebody uh, put the previous title number down as the VIN number. Now, the VIN number was on the, the Ohio document, but it was, I don't know, just they got confused. And so for the last, well, how long has he owned that car? Since 92, uh, every time he registered that vehicle and got a new uh, certificate of registration, you know, his tag receipt, I guess you would call it, it had the wrong VIN on it. I don't know why you would ever have an issue. You know, let's say that he was insuring the car, and uh, he totaled it. And normally they go by VIN number. Would the insurance company balk? about paying for it because, you know, they were insuring a car with this VIN number. And that wasn't a VIN number at all. That was an Ohio State title number. So I guess the moral of the story is, does the VIN number on your registration match the VIN number on the car and the VIN number on your title? Don't worry about it if you have a pretty late model car. You know, if it's, but if it's an antique, I'd check it. Because sometimes they get in a big old hurry down at the tag office and they use the wrong number. So was I able to get this fixed? Yes, because I know those people, they would have fixed it for you too. You might have had a hard time explaining it, you know, because I am a car guru and I've been through this stuff before. But, um, you know, I explained it to them and they said, well, yes, Lenny, what evidence do you have that this is the wrong VIN? And I said, well, here's a picture of the actual VIN stamp on the frame, okay? Here is the last time it was registered in the state of Ohio, the Buckeye State, with the correct VIN. And up here on the top of this form is the uh, the title number. And as you can see, that title number was used as the VIN number on the Tennessee title. Is all of this like word salad for you? I like that, that term, word salad. 
You know, it's when somebody says a whole bunch of stuff and it really doesn't really mean anything. Well, that did mean something. And if you didn't follow it, the point is to make sure that the VIN number is on your title that matches the VIN number on your car. Because it could be an issue, you know, down the road. Okay, so I thought I would just uh, share my personal experience so that maybe you can learn something from it. Okay, I will be back in just a minute. Okay, I am back. We used to have this restaurant in Greenville. I know this is quite the segue, but um, it was it was called the Bean Barn. And the first time I ever ate at the Bean Barn, I was 14. And I bet I've eaten there thousands of times since. They just closed about two years ago. And today I was driving, I had to go downtown, and it was close to downtown. And I had to get lunch somewhere. First thought that popped into my mind, you know, old habits die hard, was Bean Barn. But just as quickly, the reality kicked in. Uh, No more beans all the way for me. What was beans all the way? Well, that was a pretty good scoop of uh, pinto beans. And uh, well, I, let me take this back. This, the, you got to structure this right. First, they put some beef stew in the bottom of it. They always include one potato, and then they put soup beans on top of that, or pinto beans, and then a handful of onions. Not a handful, but you know, a palm-sized handful of onions. And then you get cornbread. And back in the old days, I'd get. They said, "You want a little milk or a big milk?" And I said, "Well, give me a big milk. I don't drink that anymore." Well, I, I do, but you know, lactose intolerance has certain limitations on me. So I just get a uh, a tea, unsweet tea, but I can't get any of it anymore. And it's kind of depressing. So I ended up going out to Chick-fil-A, which was, you know, I'm just about tired of that place. You know, good service and everything, but, but you know, you, I just seems like all I ever eat is salads and chicken anymore. My, my uh, cardiologist won't let me eat the good stuff anymore. So anyway, I am just lamenting my my situation. What do retail buyers really crave? You know, I have to think about that. Being in the car dealership business, uh, we have to kind of stay ahead of the curve. A long time ago, I learned that no, no matter what product you're selling, you are competing against other retailers uh, for the customer's attention. And if your experience, the experience that they have in your business I mean, the minute they walk in the door or approach your business through the online channels or the telephone, if you're not up to snuff compared to other businesses that they deal with, they'll defect. Now, at one time, you know, when you went to get tires, for example, you expected a nasty old place with grease all over the floor and greasy-looking people. And, you know, lots of times they were changing tires out on the parking lot you know, it it was a totally different world, and people knew when they went to buy tires, well, this is going to be a messy day. But see, it's not that way anymore. Have you been to a, a big tire store lately? Very neat, nice waiting areas, cozy, Wi-Fi, free refreshments maybe. You don't hear all the, you know, the air wrenches going uh, or the impact wrenches. You don't hear that. You don't hear the tire changer spewing air out of it, you know, when they pop the tire off the rim. You don't hear all that. They've insulated you from that. So when somebody comes into your store, they want to be comfortable. They want to see clear, precise menu pricing. They want it to be transparent. 
They don't like junky waiting rooms, dirty-looking seats, you know, stains on the seats and stuff like that. They don't want to see that. They don't want to experience it, especially when they're used to experiencing very nice, clean stores, you know, the ones that they do business with. Uh, You know, so much of it is online anymore. But still, there are some businesses, if you want to buy something, you've got to go to it. And tires is is one of those things. You know, cars, yeah, you can have it delivered to your house. I mean, we actually, we don't do that many of them, but we probably do, I don't know, 10 totally remote transactions where we actually do everything online and we deliver the car to the people's house, just like Carvana. So, you know, we can do it, but the majority of our customers want to come in. Why do you think they want to come in? Well, because we've created an atmosphere that is comfortable for them. And it's a nice, clean, beautiful facility. It's my job to keep it that way. But and, and if I don't, you know, if they drive up to the dealership and there's overflowing garbage cans and uh, you go up to the receptionist and she's not paying attention, she's on her phone and you have to fight to get her attention, or she's not there at all, um, and you can't find anybody in the showroom and the brochure, well, of course, we don't have brochure racks anymore. All of that has gone online as well. But, you know, you just look around. It just doesn't look inviting, comforting. Um, I've walked out of stores like that. I don't even give them a chance, you know, because it just doesn't look like they care that I'm there. So that's important. You know, people crave a level of attention that they need in order to be able to make a good decision. Not a lot more. You know, they're not necessarily there to make new, new friends. You know, you're probably not going to get invited to Christmas or Thanksgiving, but you know, you want them, you want the people there to be friendly and welcoming and respectful of you, right? Um, You know, in most stores, you want some kind of, as far as products are concerned, you want some kind of a comprehensive warranty, but you know, some businesses, my wife was talking about Duluth, it's a clothing uh, store, there's one in Knoxville, and I guess you order a lot of it online. You know, if you order something from them online, and you really don't like it, if you happen to be in Knoxville, you can take it into the store in Knoxville, and they'll give you your money back right there. No questions asked. Um, you don't have to have tags or anything. She says, I just love the, the way they do business. Well, see, if, if people get used to doing business like that, they wonder, why can't I do that with a car? Or why can't I do that with some, some other product that I buy? You see where the competition comes in and where the, the uh, standard of performance um, the expected performance, if, if it doesn't line up with other businesses, then they say, well, these people are doing a horrible job. So it's something we have to work on. You know, we, we read a lot about other industries and what they are doing for their customers and how they're making buying their products easier. You know, they have really easy access. Um, the experience of buying it is great. Uh, you know, that, that will win over many customers. Now, are there some people out, out there that don't care? Yeah. They don't care how greasy the place is. You know, they know they're there to buy tires. They don't care. But I remember sending my wife to a uh, lawnmower shop, uh, and basically they sold chainsaws and stuff like that. And I told her where it was, and I gave her my steel chainsaw that I could not get to start. And she didn't really want to do it, but she agreed to do it. She goes down there, drops it off, comes back, says, Lenny, why do you do business? That, That is the nastiest place I've ever seen. You know, I was just kind of used to it, and but from her perspective, she would never want to go back. Matter of fact, she said, "I'd just prefer you to pick up your stuff." That was, eh. 
And she's really not that way. You know, she's not persnickety when it comes to that. But that was, I mean, it was just over the top nasty. I mean, it looked like a junkyard outside. But they did good work. You know, when they fixed it, it's fixed. Or when they say it's fixed, it's fixed. So that was good enough for me all these years. But, you know, I kind of see her perspective. You know, what do uh, buyers detest? Well, you know, we think about uh, pushy salespeople, right? I mean, when you go in, you're trying to buy a car, and the salesperson keeps pushing you in all these different directions, try to, tries to get you to buy something that you really don't want. Or they're just real sloppy, or you ask them questions, and they don't have the answers. They're just ignorant of you know, as any kind of product knowledge. Then people don't like that. And will they buy in spite of it? In some cases, they will. You know, sometimes it, it boils down to what kind of deal they can get or price, right? I mean, if somebody is, if it's cheap enough, you know, I can put up with a little sloppy, you know, maybe his shirt tail is untucked. But all of that makes an impression. It does on me, and, and I just, you know, I, I think it's unprofessional. Um, what else do they detest? Well, unclean, disorganized facility, merchandise. You know, you go into some place and, and you're trying to find your size of shirt or whatever, and, and you can't find it because it's all in this big pile. Versus you go into another store and, oh, it's just nice and neat. And they got the labels on the very front where you don't have to dig through everything. Small, medium, large, and extra large. Right there it is, right in front of you. Now, some people will say, well, I like to dig through stuff. I think I can better get a better deal at that kind of place. Fine. Go to that place. But I don't. I don't have time. I don't, I don't want to have to dig and search for a bargain. I just want what I want when I want it. So, you know, you have to try to appeal to a, a cross-section. Different stores are going to offer different things. But, you know, one thing that people will not put, put up with, and that's shabby quality. Um, you know, when you buy a product and you pay good money for it, you expect it to work, and you expect the fit and finish to be good, especially on new cars. I was talking to a guy, uh, well, yesterday, and he is installs swimming pools. Now, he was in the landscaping business, still is, and he has gotten into the uh, pool installation. He did 27 pools last year. I said, man, that sounds like a lot of pools. He said, well, we can do a lot more than that. You know, we, they just recently bought the business. He says, but the thing about it is, when you're putting in a pool and all of the issues that we have with concrete and, uh, you know, concrete cracking and, and people want everything to be perfect, well, I don't want my concrete to crack either. But he says, Lenny, you have, you have no idea how... How, how picky some people can be. I mean, they want every single little thing to be perfect. Well, if you're spending sixty dollars to $100,000 on a pool, I get it. But he said when you're doing landscaping, it's totally different. There's more margin for error there. There's not much margin for error when it comes to a swimming pool. I get it. So a lot of this is uh, industry-dependent, basically. So, um, you know, people are going to be upset if they don't get you know, what they expect. Uh, several weeks ago, we talked about uh, three different things, the level of expectation, the level of reality, and moments of truth. And there are certain moments of truth that if you don't excel in those at those particular points of time and the, on those particular things, then you're going to have a dissatisfied customer. Well, what else do buyers detest? Well, they, if they're anything like me, they don't like to wait. I was talking to another gentleman uh, we, a matter of fact, I was getting my hair cut, and he came in, and, and he said, well, how long does it take to get a car now? And I said, well, not as long as it did. I said, about a year and a half ago, it was about 10 months, and now it's about 10 weeks. He said, I don't even want to wait 10 weeks. Of 
course, he hadn't bought a car in about 20 years. But how long is too long to wait for a car when you order a car? I mean, the fastest I've ever seen it happen was about five weeks. I mean, that was a long time ago. And all of the manufacturers said, oh, we're going to get this down. We are changing our processes and changing our shipping and all this. We're going to get it down to, you know, three weeks where you can order a car and have it in three weeks. You know, my question is, do, do you want to wait three weeks? I mean, if you're in the market for a car, don't you want to find it sitting on the dealer's lot? That's what I've always enjoyed. Now, I ordered my F-150 that I'm driving right now. It took 10 weeks for it to come in. Of course, I didn't care because I have my, my other F-150, and it was perfectly fine. But if you, I, I just, the manufacturers think that you're going to be able to convert people to a order as opposed to a system where they come onto the lot and there's the car. They, they want us to carry smaller inventories and get more people to order. I just don't, I just don't know if people are going to be willing to do that. I don't think they are uh, because they're like me. They don't like to wait. Another thing that people detest, I think, is inconvenient access. You ever called a business and they won't answer the phone? Or they they answer the phone and put you on hold while they're trying to transfer the call to somebody else and you stay on there forever. You know, the question I ask a lot of customers, how long is too long to be on the phone for you? I mean, like to be on hold. I mean, if you sit there and you count 30 seconds, if you sit there and count it and you think you're listening to music on hold or you're listening to dead air, that feels like much longer than 30 seconds, okay? I mean, to me, it does. I mean, I think that we should be back to them within 30 seconds at the most. But some, I mean, I've been on hold for, gosh, trying to get a problem solved with on a credit card or something like that for like 45 minutes before. Totally, totally unacceptable. But, you know, sometimes when you've been waiting on hold that long, you say, well, I've waited this long. I might as well, I'm going to wait these people out. But that's, that's no way to run a business. But, you know, as, as far as access, people also need to be able to uh, reach you online. There shouldn't be a bunch of steps that they have to go through to find, you know, your products or, or your, uh, to, to actually make a service appointment or to, you know, spec something out, build a vehicle like you can on a lot of manufacturers' websites. It has to be well-designed and slick because a lot of the other websites that these people are going to are well-designed and slick. So yours has to be that way, too. What else do buyers detest? You know, one of the things that I have dealt with is I've, I've had customers come in and say, well, your people are just giving me to run around. Well, you know, when you don't get the answer that you want from person A and you have to go to person B, and then person B says, well, this really isn't in my, my area of expertise. I'm going to have to give you to person C. I understand how people can feel that way. You know, a service advisor in a car dealership he can't answer all your questions. Like if you're if you're trying to get something fixed that's outside of warranty, then that has to go through the service manager. And if the service manager can't get it done, then it has to go through the dealer, and then he makes his contacts with the region and stuff like that, and maybe it, it ends up getting solved for you with no cost. But I know it can seem like a runaround, and I think the n- number one reason it seems like a runaround because nobody's given the customer feedback. It's because the customer is the one who always has to call back and say, well, where, do, where do I stand with this? You know, And they keep talking to different people, and nobody has the answer. Man, you just can't go down that, that uh, path. It, it just, it's the, a great way to run off a customer and lose them for life. But runarounds can happen on the phone. They can happen in person. You know what? I think what most customers want, 
They just want somebody to own the problem. That's what I tell my my people in my dealership or salesperson. Uh, somebody comes up to to you and say, "Yeah, I need. I can't find anybody in the parts department or whatever." Take them to the parts department. Introduce them. Make sure that you know. Go back there and find where the parts department people are. They may be tied up with the technician around back or something, but the customer doesn't know that. They may be tied up on the phone. Own the problem. If somebody says, "Well, I didn't get my floor mats when I bought my car," well, let me see what I can find out for you. Instead of, "Well, you have to go ask the parts department." Well, they go to the parts department. They don't know what you're talking about. They refer you back to the sales tower, and the sales tower guy says, "Well, I'll just have to check. Let me call you. Give me your number, and I'll call you back." And they never call you back. Again, just uh, other ways to drive customers crazy. But if you have situations like this in the dealership that you're doing business with, tell the people who own it. You know, tell the manager. Let them know that you're dissatisfied. It's the only way you're going to get any kind of behavior change. And sometimes that'll work. And sometimes it won't. Sometimes they won't listen because they don't own it. It does make a difference. Okay, I'll be back in just one minute. Okay, I'm back. You know, one time I bought a backpack. I needed something pretty durable and had a lot of pockets. I was going to use it for travel and things like that. If we went camping, I might need it as well. But I uh, bought this backpack, and I had it for probably a year, and uh, one of the zippers broke. It just broke. You know, I couldn't zip it up anymore. So I took it to the place where I bought it and said, we can't help you. It's uh, They only guarantee their stuff for like 90 days. I said, well, who made the thing? You know, of course, it had a manufacturer's name. So I just uh, went online, found the customer service, and I, I just called them. I said, I just, you know, I haven't used this thing this much. I can't believe that the zipper's broken. Well, that's not a problem, Mr. Lawson. Um, we'll send you a brand new one. Oh, what's that going to cost me? Nothing. Oh, do you want me to send the other one back? No, just keep it. We're going to send you a brand new one. Within uh, probably two or three days, here, FedEx, there it was. Or no, UPS, there's my new backpack. Now I had two of them. One with a bad zipper and one perfect. I gave the one with the bad zipper to my grandson. And he's really happy with it because he doesn't care. But you know what? When I buy another backpack, if I ever wear this out, and I probably won't, I'd buy it from them because of the experience and because they stood behind their product even when they didn't have to. And all it took was one phone call to get that problem solved. You know, sometimes you just have to own it. And if you need someone to help own your problem as far as a automobile is concerned or if you have a question, don't hesitate to call. People do it all the time. My cell phone number is 423-552-2020. Most of the time, people text me if that works for you. If it doesn't, send me an email to LennyLawson2020 at gmail.com. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru, and I will see you next time.